So we started this group probably about eight, nine months ago, somewhere around there. And it has just grown tremendously. Small businesses seem to really enjoy being able to connect and collaborate uh, with others, people who are having similar challenges, similar wins, uh, wonderful things that are happening in their businesses, and a cooperative space. Uh, Today's uh, meeting, we actually did uh, something that we call a a four-way pitch where rather than coming in and just standing up and letting everybody know who they were, you know, handing out their business cards, we actually had people in a more intimate setting uh, in a group of four uh, working together to have about two minutes to tell people who they are, what, they, what they're doing in the world uh, with their businesses, and how they could uh, connect and collaborate with each other. Uh, connect them with other people who knew uh, people that might want to use their service. And uh, it was a tremendous success. Uh, People don't tend to be used to being able to do that quickly. And we do exercises such as that in these events. When uh, push comes to shove, what we're all looking for is to grow and scale our businesses. So I am very happy to say that uh, today's event went very well. We actually did a coach's corner, and that is what is uh, taped and coming up next. So enjoy. I hope that we see you uh, soon at one of our events, or comment and let us know what you're getting out of these episodes when you listen to them, whether it's on Spotify or Anchor or Radio Free Public. Thanks so much. We look forward to uh, hearing about all of these wonderful wins and how you're scaling and growing your business too. Thanks. All right, welcome to the Business Networking Over Coffee event, Experience the Branding 360 Effect. My name is Tracy Pike with Taft Graphics Design Studio, and we have Wendy Elmore here, medical massage therapist. She's going to be doing her conversation to us, her Coach's Corner topic. So take it away. Everybody give her a big hand. As Tracy said, I'm Wendy Elmore. I'm a medical massage therapist. I'm very good at getting people out of pain. I'm going to talk to you today, I'm going to bring you some body awareness so you're more aware of some things that go on in your body and kind of mind-body interactions. So let's start by looking at the muscular system and some important body rhythms that are going on in the body. First of all, the breath is such a critical body rhythm. So when you take a deep breath and you do this deep, deep diaphragm breathing, you're actually stimulating all of your internal organs. So we all know if you sit too long and you aren't moving much, your bones, your your joints, your muscles start to deteriorate. Well, the same is true about your organs. If you aren't doing this deep breathing and really getting that rhythm down through the core, your organs start to deteriorate. You have worse health outcomes. Another important body rhythm is the sacrum. Your sacral pump, as you walk, as you move, you're flexing and extending your sacrum. This movement is actually going all the way up your spine, all the way through the cranium. As you move the sacrum, it's pumping through the spinal fluid that flows through the spine through the cranium. We don't think about the cranium as moving, but it does. It actually expands a little bit. It contracts a little bit as the cerebrospinal fluid flows. And this sacral pump is a big part of that. If you don't have that natural motility, the ability to move in your cranium, you actually get patterns stuck in your body. One of the modalities I do is craniosacral work, where if you have some back pain and you go to physical therapy, massage therapy, or chiropractor, and they address that back pain, and you feel better, but then two or three days later, the pain comes right back. It's probably because 
the pattern is stuck in your skull. So I want to ask you, how many of you in here actually go to a massage therapist, chiropractor, what have you? How many have been? Great. Okay. So if, if, if you feel great, the pattern comes back, it might be stuck in your skull. If your body's in a torsion pattern, your skull is in a torsion pattern. If your body's in lateral strain, that's in your skull. And sometimes when your bones don't have the natural ability to move, that pattern gets stuck here and it comes right back, which means you come see me on, on I unwind your head and fix it. Or you remember that sacral pump, that moving the sacrum is going to keep that energy moving all the way up the spine. What happens low in the spine, mirror, gets mirrored high in the spine as this shock absorbing column moves. One end moves, the other end moves to counter it. So we have to keep that sacral pump, we have to keep the breath moving, we have to keep the sacral pump. We also have to remember the lymphatic fluid in our legs. The only way that that lymphatic fluid gets from the legs up is through the movement of the calf muscles. The calf muscles are the pump that moves the lymphatic fluid up and eventually drains in the terminal nerve here and returns to the circulatory system. Can I ask you a question? So what do people tend to do? What's common? Can some somebody run downstairs and tell them that the music just went on? <laughs> um, what is it that uh, people typically do that causes them not to do that? Like, wh what do you see most often that causes the problem? Just sitting too much. Our society, we don't move enough. So I'm trying to impress upon you the importance of moving the body, how critical it is to our, our health. You have to breathe deeply, breathe that oxygen all the way through stimulating the organs. You have to walk and move the sacrum, move the legs, don't get plantar fasciitis. You're just, you have to have that full body movement. Okay. Another important, not body rhythm, but muscle rela uh, relationship in the body is the muscles here at the base of our skull track our eyes. They're the reason a cat always lands on its feet. A cat finds itself in the air, it can line its eyes up with the horizon. It, these muscles track the eyes so that it can unwind its whole spine to track its eyes and it lands on its feet. What this means for us as humans is if you're sitting staring at a computer all day or you wear glasses so you don't have much peripheral vision, Maybe you aren't moving your eyes much. If you aren't moving your eyes much, you aren't moving these muscles much, they stay short and contracted. These muscles are serious headache generators. So what we need to do if we're looking at the computer a lot is take a break, roll your neck around, and roll your eyes. Look all the way to the extreme left, to the extreme right, up, down. Move your neck, move your eyes. Very important to keep the neck loose. Another relationship to think about in the neck. So I just saw somebody do something, so I want you to do something. Everybody, so it, show them the four positions and have them do that for you just, me. You, you really want to think about moving your eyes all the way to the extreme. It actually connects the two hemispheres of the brain as well. It's a very relaxing thing to do. If you sit there and move your eyes back and forth, it's kind of a meditative. You're, if you feel like you're just suddenly confused, you're either physically or mentally out of it suddenly, just roll your eyes back and forth. Do some, actually, you can, you don't even have to move your head, just your eyes? Just your eyes, and if you take your hands, this is where the part of my speech, but if you take your hands, find your collarbone, drop down into the knot, find your belly button, hold both sides of it, and now rock. You can do the sitting or laying. So you're... Same way or opposite direction? Both. Um, this is very relaxing, and you do this while tracking your eyes left to right. This is very, it's home brain button. It's very relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> Cat in your head, <laughs> rubbing your tummy. <laughs> this is, this is going to calm your system. Tracking your eyes left to right is activate, and you're touching both sides of your body. You're using both sides of the hemispheres. You're connecting your brain. It's going to take you out of that state of confusion. You're suddenly going to be able to think better, move better. 
through muscle testing, we can show muscles are turned off all over the body until we do this, and then suddenly you're coherent again. That's interesting. Well, how many of you sit in front of a computer most of the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so about half of you. So the other half of you shouldn't have a problem with all this stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> You know when you feel like you have an elephant sitting on your chest when you're so stressed? And you're breathing with your neck muscles. I just had to go to the chiropractor the other day because I've had a lot more work coming in and, and a lot of uh, different things happening. And I felt like I had somebody sitting on my chest, and you just explained why. I didn't realize that. And your neck hurts. Yep. Okay. So the body is, brain is amazing at compensating. That's one compensation thing. It says, I'm not breathing here, so I'm going to breathe here. But let's say you injure one of your shoulder flexors, so now it hurts to raise your arms straight up in front of you. Your brain very quickly says, when you reach for something, and I don't want to use this muscle because it's strained, I'm going to use the pec, I'm going to rotate the shoulder forward, I may externally rotate the arm, and now I can reach, and I'm in a different plane, so I'm using a different muscle, I'm using this muscle. The brain's very fast at saying, use some other muscle. What this means is when we have pain, we're injured, we very quickly use some compensation program. If you do this enough, that program gets stored in the motor con control cortex of the brain as a habit. And now, even when the injury goes away, the brain is still doing the running this compensation program. And after, throughout all of life, you get pattern after pattern layered on top of each other, and your body no longer works efficiently. Another mo modality I, I'm learning right now, neuromuscular reprogramming, we test one muscle against another to see which muscles are doing the job of another muscle. And then I can reprogram the brain to erase those programs and let the brain be free to let the body be free to use all the normal most, most efficient muscles to do each job. You know what's interesting is I have a, a, a person that I know like you um, is very adept at the physiology of the body. And I was complaining about my wing in the back hurting, right? And people think, oh well if I stretch that and I get that and I, I can get it out. He goes, no, he says it's the opposite side. He says, if you, right, is that right? I see her shaking her head. If you push on the soft part of the front, if your wing in the back is hurting, you can actually relax this, and it relaxes that whole area, and then it stops hurting, which you may be able to give them the reason why. I, I wasn't going to do that, but I will. Okay. <laughs> so very often the source of the pain is not where the pain is. If you hurt between your shoulder blades, you go to a massage therapist, you say this hurts, rub it, they're going to make it worse because what's happening is this hurts, your rhomboids hurt because they're stretched long. If your shoulders are rounded forward, this is tight, this is stretched long, this hurts. But what you need to be doing is opening up here, strengthening behind the shoulder. Your pain's not going to, if they, somebody comes and rubs it, they make the muscle longer, it feels good for five minutes. The muscle's longer, it, it actually collapses you forward even more, puts more strain on it, it's worse. You actually need to stretch, open the front, strengthen the back. That's the only way to get rid of the pain. Thank you. Now you can go on with your topic. <laughs> so I want to do
do a posture exercise. I want everyone to sit up. Now, look at how different everybody looks. <laughs> when they do. Computer, your, your shoulders are rolling forward. Start curving your spine. Kind of collapse your whole body forward. Now you'll notice a couple things. One is you're looking down the only way to see forward. You have a writing reflex. Your eyes are going to look up. Now you're cranking the back of your neck. Your neck hurts. Come out of that. I don't want you to stay like that. <laughs> that is the posture of depression. When you are feeling an emotion of depression or stress, we, we try to make ourselves small. We try to protect our internal organs. We're going to curl over our internal organs. This is grief. This is depression. This is stress. If you feel the emotion, it will be represented in the body. The opposite is if you're standing tall, crown of the, of the head high, your eyes are straight, your shoulders are back and down. Now you have a posture of confidence, of power. The emotion will be reflected in the body, and vice versa. If you're sitting at a computer all the time and looking down at your, or looking down at your phone and texting, if you're rounding your shoulder forward, putting your head forward, you are putting yourself in a posture of depression, and you, you will start to feel depressed, even if you weren't already. Let, can I ask you a question? So how do people recognize, because they do it naturally, how can people set up something to, to allow them to remember that, oh, maybe I should be sitting up? Well, that's part of what I'm trying to do. The more Great. you are aware of this feedback loop between the brain and the body, the more you can realize, hmm, I feel that I'm not getting deep breaths right now, which means I'm rounded forward, which means I need to do a correction. So just become aware of it. Standing in line, you realize you're slouching, just stand up. Part of it is the breath will feel like you're breathing more fully. So when you feel like you aren't breathing, you can realize you're rounded forward. But it's, it's perhaps obvious when you feel an emotion, it gets stuck in your body that I'm sad, but it, maybe it's less obvious why in the world sitting like this is going to make you feel depressed. Why does the body feed the brain? I'm going to answer that now. So. Putting aside the muscular system, I want to take a look at the nervous system. First of all, I'm going to define some terms. When we're in fight or flight mode, stress mode, the blood is going to rush to the muscles. Your blood sugar is going to spike so it can give energy to the muscles. Your heart rate goes up. Your blood pressure goes up. You're ready to run away from the lion or the immediate threat. That's fight or flight mode. The opposite of that is rest and digest. In rest and digest, blood can come back to the internal organs. It can digest, you can reproduce, your immune system is turned back on, so now your body says, the lion is gone, so now I can think about fighting off the cancer cells and the pathogens and the things that can kill me a long time from now. That's rest and digest. We have a nerve that connects the brain to all of the internal organs. It's called the vagus nerve. Vagus? Vagus nerve. Like Las Vegas? It means wandering. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Latin for wandering. Okay. The vagus nerve connects to the, the spleen, the kidney, the liver, the just the brain, it's a two-way communication. 80% of the fibers are sensory. They are telling the brain what is going on in all of the organs, which is why putting yourself like this, the vagus nerve is saying, oh, I'm not breathing well. I'm going to tell the brain I'm depressed. Mm. That's that two-way communication. So the vagus nerve is what controls whether we're in fight or flight or rest and digest. So my vagus nerve is screwed up. Always <laughs> <laughs> in flight or rest, wandering. So if you're startled, what do you do? You do this quick inhale, right? On that quick inhale, you're turning off your vagus nerve, you're putting yourself in fight or flight mode. Your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up. You're, you get tunnel vision. What is it, what's the threat that startled me? You are in fight or flight mode. The opposite is I have this long to-do list and I'm looking at this list of everything I have to do today. 
and I'm just overwhelmed. <sighs> what do I, how am I gonna get through this? This long exhale, this sigh, just triggers the vagal nerve to put me back in rest and digest. So now my blood pressure goes down, I come out of tunnel vision, I can think more broadly, I can do this to-do list because this is not killing me, it's just overwhelming. So, the vagus nerve on breath-by-breath breath cycle is when you inhale, the vagus nerve is turning off, you're in fight or flight. When you exhale, the vagus nerve is turning on, you're in rest and digest. Breath by breath, your heart rate goes up, your heart rate goes down. This is actually measurable on EKGs. If you have a heart attack, you're in the hospital, they hook you up to an EKG. One of the things they're looking for is that breath by breath heart rate variability because if your heart rate is not varying, you're in fight or flight mode and you're much more likely to have another heart attack. The vagus nerve is what, that difference in heart rate is called the vagal tone. It is your ability to recover from stress. If you don't have good vagal tone, you're going to have bad health, you're going to have bad professional outcomes. Um, Do you know the Apple Watch has this thing that reminds you to breathe all the time? And I always go, ah, ah, I always turn it off. Stop doing that to me. Right. Uh, yeah, I may be doing that a little bit more often. <laughs> That's funny. So they did some. When they learned about the vagus nerve connection, it was back in the late 1990s, they were doing some studies on rats. They injected an anti-inflammatory into the brain. It was not enough drug to get into the bloodstream, and yet by accident they noticed that the inflammation in the spleen and the inflammation in all the other organs went down. So the scientists were pretty puzzled about this, so they just took some rats, they cut their vagus nerve, injected the anti-inflammatory in the brain, there was no change in the body. So they took some more rats with no drug at all, they stimulated the vagus nerve and saw system-wide inflammation go down. Mm. So they turned to experiments on people. They took a whole bunch of people with rheumatoid arthritis, they implanted in their neck a vagal nerve stimulator, which on some regular basis puts them in rest and digest. <coughs> Two months later, the, the people who had the stimulator had better blood markers of rheumatoid arthritis. They had better subjective measurements of the rheumatoid arthritis. It was taking this immune-modulated disease and curing it because it's reducing your system-wide inflammation. Wow. Now, personally, I would rather learn how to modulate yeah. myself <laughs> Right. So how do you do that? You do that with anything you can do to reduce stress. Meditation, massage, positive thinking. Yes, the power of your thoughts can control your outcome. Very personal example from my life. When I was 24 years old, I found out I had a three-inch tumor on my right over. The doctor said, we don't know if it's cancerous or not, so we have to take it out immediately. So two weeks later, I had it out. In those two weeks, my thought was, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to know what I'm dealing with. I'm going to get on with my life. I'm going to get this out. I'm going to know what I'm dealing with. I'm going to get on with my life. He removed it. I was supposed to be out of work for six weeks. I went home, graciously read everything I could get my hands on. After four weeks, I was bored out of my mind. I voluntarily went back to work half-time for two weeks. Went back to work full-time for six weeks. Three years later, I found out I have a five-inch tumor on the left ovary. Doctor said the signature and sonogram is about the same, so it's probably a benign teratoma like you had before. So it's not urgent to come out, but it's going to eventually crowd out your organs. It does have to come out. I delayed the surgery five weeks. During that five weeks, I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to hurt. I don't want to do this. Oh my gosh, I dread this. I don't want to do this. Oh my gosh, it's awful. So I had the surgery with the same doctor at the same hospital, the same 20-something-year-old me. Same six inch incision was open. I had the same hospital an extra day. I went home. I could not read at all. I could not focus my brain or my eyes. I just kind of stared blankly at the walls for the full six weeks. Wow. And then I went back to work, not feeling like I was ready to go back to work. 
the incision got badly infected. And knowing what I know now, what I know is my thoughts put me in fight or flight mode, which turned on the muscles. I actually got mobile faster, but it turned off my immune system. The incision got infected. I was probably running a low-grade fever, which is why I was in this brain fog and couldn't even read. Because my immune system was off, my muscles were on. I was in fight or flight because of my thoughts. It was me that did it. Now, I said at the beginning that this is going to impact not only your health, but your professional outlook. So it turns out the vagus nerve is also active in eye contact. It's active in speech. It's active in facial uh, expressions. So people with higher vagal tone have, tend to have deeper friendships. They tend to have stronger social relationships. So another example from my life. When I was at Texas A&M about to graduate, I was engaged to get married. I got married four weeks after I graduated to a man in North Carolina. I was in Texas. It was a recession. We decided we were going to live somewhere in the southeast. Before the internet, doing this thousand-mile job search was not very feasible. Um, but somebody from Texas Instruments pulled my resume from the placement center, called me, gave me a phone interview, which I went along with. And then I got a letter inviting me in for a plant trip. My first reaction was, there's no way I'm gonna live in Dallas. I have no family in the state. I have zero plans to live in Texas. So this is a way. But then I thought, but I need the interview experience. So I went on the plant trip solely to get the interview experience. I did not care at all about the outcome of the interview. I just wanted to go learn and feel better about my ability. So there were, they brought in 30-some college students from across the state. We were together all weekend for plant tours and all these presentations and such. So I'm hearing from other people things like, I have to get this job. My dad worked at TI, he's gonna be so disappointed if I don't get this job. Or I have to get this job, I've had a ton of interviews and I, nothing's panned out. And if I don't get this job, I'm gonna have to weather out the recession by going, going to graduate school. The stress was just palpable. Outside of me, inside of me, I didn't care. There was no stress. So I, I went into the interview and I, just sat down, I was able to make eye contact, I was able to, I wasn't in the tunnel, but I wasn't in the right, tunnel Right, because you weren't the tunnel freaking vision, out. I've got to run away from the threat. I didn't have the sweaty palms, I didn't have the stress posture, I had a confident posture. I made eye contact, I was able to really listen to the questions, think about my answer, articulate the answer. And I ended up getting an offer for, to work for one of four of the six people I interviewed with. And at that point I thought, oh darn, my game's over. <laughs> you know what's interesting that she's talking about people who know and come to this group a lot I talk about scarcity words versus prosperity words and what she was doing was she had nothing to lose because she wasn't going to go to Texas there was no way but she put herself in a prosperity mode and she didn't realize it um, when we go and we do our speeches when we go the reason I'm interjecting is because you guys will remember more of her talk because I have asked you a question um, that is something that all of you, when you're, um, talk, if you're talking to people, make sure that you interject some, some um, you know, enrolling questions, things that people can think about and go, oh, and connect the dots. Because this lady is very, very smart. And she could sit here and probably talk to you about all the wonderful things that go on. But we only remember about a third of what somebody says. And unless we stop that and get you to think about it, you won't remember. This is huge what she's just said right here for all of your businesses. It's not about closing the deal. It's not about going in and making that sale. It's about building a relationship. There's nothing to lose. And going for the experience rather than the outcome. That's right.
Absolutely. So we are at 21 minutes. So is there anything um, else you want to say? I did put on the, everyone's table kind of a summary of the speech and a flyer. But uh, I want to reiterate, you need to have body awareness. You need to move your body fully. If you never raise your arm over your head, you will lose your ability to. We need to move fully. Remember to breathe deeply. It not only stimulates organs, it's going to, that deep breath is also going to help you. You have better vagal tones. So you have better professional and better health outcomes. So we want to move fully. Um, and so, so to tell her thank you and for her to be fit. Yep, you, go ahead. I'm going to close with a quote from Napoleon. Hill I love him. Grow, grow Rich. Napoleon Hill says, your thoughts attract constructive and destructive things, events, and people. So what I've taught you today is emotions, thoughts, and body movement impact healing or deterioration in, in your body. You are in control. Fabulous. And because she's asked us to move our arms above our head, why don't we go ahead and clap for her, put our hands above it, clap, yay! Thank you, Wendy, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you.